Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. It's the Fightful MMA Holy Smokes podcast with Showdown Joe and Sean Ross Sapp. Joe, we are presumably live. <laughs> What's up, everybody? June 12th edition of the Holy Smokes podcast. Yours truly, Joe Ferraro. Give me a follow online at Showdown Joe via all social media platforms. And of course, give Sean Rossap a follow at Sean yeah. Rossap. He is the managing editor for Fightful, Fightful Online, Fightful MMA, Fightful Wrestling, Fightful Boxing, Fightful Sanchao, Fightful Savat, Fightful, who knows what else he's going to have out there. Premium content as well. Give him some love. He puts together some crazy stuff. He does not stop working uh, and neither do I when it comes to MMA because we have a lot to discuss here uh, as to what went down at UFC 225 Whitaker versus Romero two what a fight that was there Colby Covington backs up all his trash talk Woo, buddy that fight versus RDA was pace filled ridiculousness uh, I would like to discuss CM Punk at length and I'm sure Sean will as well we'll get that uh, going as well Holly Holm with a masterful mixed martial arts performance against Megan Anderson uh, and an even better post-fight interview. If you didn't see that, it was, it was heartwarming, to say the least. Uh, apparently, Kevin Lee is going to join us. Uh, that'll be fun, most likely. Uh, Rashad Evans takes a knee. At this point here, uh, I know I've defended him and said he's not going down with these weak shots like we saw with Chuck Liddell and other fighters. We will discuss why potentially it's time for you know the former UFC-led heavyweight champion to hang up the gloves. Curtis Blades... Tai Tuivasa and his nasty beer drinking out of a shoe habit. Can't believe they do that. That's a thing. Uh, Ronda Rousey in the UFC Hall of Fame. And, of course, controversy, because Sean's going to disagree with me, but Claudia Gadeo emerges victorious against Carlos Barza, and Sergio Pettis gets a huge win. Lots to discuss in the world of mixed martial arts, Sean. Where do you want to kick things off? I want to kick things off by telling people to visit our sponsor at omg.com. That's OMG. G-H-E-E.com. It is cultured butter. It is delicious. Off the air the other night after I promoted ghee, James Lynch was like, you know, I use ghee. I cook everything in ghee. And he is a notorious fit guy. And a fitness revolution is happening right now. Both food and diet. Be a part of it. Check out omg.com. It is 100% organic, non-GMO. 
This uh, they, they leave you with some great, rich, golden, pure butter fat. And they have a deal for Fightful viewers. Use the code FIGHTFULMMA. Go over and check them out at omgi.com. They have all kinds of information from their shop to uh, their YGI section, which will give you the rundown on what ghee can do uh, for you. My favorite thing about it, besides how delicious everything tastes with ghee, is that it has so it has the, your omega threes and omega nine essential fatty acids. I take my fish oil every day. If I always tell people, if there's one supplement that I absolutely had to take besides a multivitamin, it is fish oil, and it's to get those omega three uh, and nine essential fatty acids. It's also a great source of vitamin A, D, E, and K. Ideal for fighting cancer, even because of the CLA involved. Check out omg.com. Use that code. Fightful MMA, and even if you don't check anything out over there, you don't buy anything, go visit them at OMG Butter on Twitter. Just let them know that you heard about them from Fightful. We thank them a lot. And of course, Fightful Select, guys, go over there and check out our wonderful premium content. I know we're going to have some viewers today that are pro wrestling fans that are going to check this out, but we'll get to the CM Punk thing. We got... We got a lot UFC 225 related and primarily, honestly, UFC 225 related. We had our post show, but there's no event this week. Next week is Singapore. We'll have your pros picks and all that stuff. Uh, but man, it's we, we do have Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson and uh, Henry Cejudo too confirmed. We can talk that before we, we uh, talk UFC 225. What do you think of that booking? I, I think it's... If they're not doing Dillashaw Mighty Mouse, it's smart to book them the same night and almost kind of force their hand a little bit in the future. Absolutely. I think it's a fantastic booking. Actually, before we go on, huge shout-out to John Mercury, a buddy of mine, real estate agent, uh, who's finally tuned into our podcast. I'm sure his schedule is all over the place. Uh, I sent him the link, and he's already told me that he's tuned in. So shout-out to him, one of the coolest dudes uh, I know. And he's a barbecue pit master. This guy's fantastic on the barbecue, so he's my competition, Sean. Not happy with him right now, but we'll figure that out. Uh, at a later time. Now, you did mention the fact that Cejudo and Mighty Mouse were booked on the same card. I think it's a fantastic idea because should Mighty Mouse emerge victorious, there's no guarantees, despite the fact he's arguably uh, pound for pound number one in the world and probably one of the greatest mixed martial arts of all time. We know what can happen in a fight. If he does emerge victorious and then TJ Dillashaw emerges victorious, you have yourself a storyline that would be absolutely fantastic because you know if Mighty Mouse wins, he may ask for the winner of the main event. And the winner of that main event will likely accept. So it should, it's just great storytelling on, the, on behalf of the UFC. Uh, although we'll talk about Sergio Pettis a little bit later on as to what he'll have to do uh, in the future. But I love that booking. I love the fact they're on the same card. Uh, and it's a great card as is. Yeah, uh, a programming note for that night, guys. Either someone else will lead the charge on that or I'll do a post-show the next day on August 4th. I have a previous obligation also for the Singapore show. I uh, will likely do that uh, on Sunday as opposed to Saturday as well. But just wanted to let you guys know for that. Also, I have a lot of people asking me, what are you going to do for July 7th? Because New Japan's running and UFC's running. What I'm going to try to do that night, because it's a big, big night for, for both companies. I'm going to try to go live with New Japan's post-show at 12 midnight. Hopefully, Eastern. As that goes on, I will be watching UFC on another screen to the left of me. You might hear me shriek in surprise, in excitement, in terror. 
And right after that show ends, I will likely try to do a post UFC 226 show. Uh, I think I said 225. I mean UFC 226, Miocic and Cormier. So ho- hopefully I'll pull double duty consecutively right there. I'll have some help on the on the writing end of things that night. But we're we're getting those shows in, and we're gonna get them in live, you guys. So definitely check those out. We got UFC 225. That was a pretty fun show, I thought. Main event was every time they fight, it's going to be like a movie, Joe. Yeah, it was ridiculous. It was absolutely insane. <clears throat> I'm surprised Romero was able to stay up as much as he did. And, and the fact that Whitaker was able to take that kind of punishment and keep going. That's a heart, man. That guy's got heart. Uh, his his resolve is through the roof. Those two guys put on a fantastic performance. I know all that stuff with UL Romero not making weight by 0.2 pounds. They stopped him from making weight. Uh, obviously the commission was looking at a health concern. I know Romero's camp uh, has filed suit against them. I don't know what's going to come from that, Sean. Uh, but man, I could watch those two fight every other pay-per-view. I mean, it's crazy. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's like a video game, and it just shows what, what the human spirit uh, can endure uh, and unleash when need be. Whitaker apparently broke his hand very early. He has to have hand surgery. That sucks because, I mean... We've already had to deal with all these interims and all these ghosts around the middleweight division, and now the guy breaks his hand. Fortunately for him, this division is kind of where the welterweight division was just about a year ago, where it's like, okay, we we need a little bit of time to develop a contender. Yoel Romero ain't that. We'll get into the, the, the action of the fight, but the man has somehow or another missed out on three straight title opportunities. He lost to Robert Whitaker. He lost to Robert Whitaker. Also, he missed weight. But then he missed weight in an interim title opportunity as well. That's three straight opportunities. It's time to move on. And if I were him, I know I know some people are saying, well, maybe he's not as big as the other light heavyweights. That doesn't matter. That doesn't necessarily matter. With his credentials, I think that he could do just fine at light heavyweight. All due respect to yep. Sam Alvey. All due respect to Sam Alvey. Sam Alvey was a middle-of-the-road middleweight, and he's the number 15 light heavyweight right now. You you throw Yoel Romero and Tyson Pedro in there, you can sign me up right now. I'll watch it tomorrow. You throw Yoel Romero and Dom Reyes in there, I'll watch it tomorrow. How about Volkan Ozdemir and Yoel Romero? How about Shogun and Yoel Romero? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Put me in there. Um... I think it's time for him to move on, and this is what I have been screaming this from the rooftops for about three months now, that middleweight division. I I wish I could get a snapshot of the rankings, like maybe last July, and compare it to what it'll look like probably September, October. Silva, gone. Bisping, gone. Uh, Romero might be gone. Rockhold might be gone. I think Weidman would have been gone if all this hadn't unfolded. I think Weidman was really close to maybe moving up to 205 for his career, but now it's the smartest thing for him is to stay there because of all the movement that, that's happening everywhere else. Our boy Elias, he about to be ranked number three just because everybody's <laughs> leaving. Everybody's yeah. leaving. So what do, what do you think the future holds for a UL Romero? Because it's, it's far too early to tell what the future holds for Robert Whitaker in this title picture yeah the whole Robert Whitaker thing just sucks man poor guy I mean it's just I don't know uh it, poor dude gets injured in the first round like in the past what two three fights like just 
the guy's made of steel, but the minute he gets into that fight, he's in big trouble. All right, it's just weird. It's just so weird. But man, what a an absolute pleasure it is to watch him compete. Now, I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. When we first started Fightful MMA and Fightful.com, uh, it was Sean Rossap who continued to profess the greatness that is Robert Whitaker, and I kind of held off because I just said I was in love with him during the Ultimate Fighter when he competed down south, or down under, excuse me, and just kind of his career kind of went, uh, I don't know if I agreed with the whole middleweight jump, and before you know it, he's a world champion, and he continues to put on these spectacular performances. Again, I was blown away way back when he fought Jacare, way back when he fought Yuel Romero, uh, and continued his ascension uh, up the rankings to become the champion. The guy is something else. Uh, as for what's going to happen with Yuel Romero, I don't know. I mean, I just don't know what, what's up with this guy, because point two or two ounces, excuse me, is a tough, tough thing to deal with. It's a bitter pill to swallow when you're that close. But in the end, he didn't win the fight. Split decision. Uh, you could have made the argument that he did win the fight. But it's tough. I'd like to see him go up to 205. Because at this point here, do we really think, no matter how many wins he has at 185, that he's going to be getting a title shot anytime soon? And do you think UFC President Dana White or the UFC in general will grant him a title shot. I think they will do anything and everything possible to make that opportunity difficult for him because of what happened this past weekend. He can't beat Robert Whitaker. And as long as Robert Whitaker is a champ and Robert Whitaker is going to stay the champ for quite some time, especially since the fact that he's going to be sidelined with a broken hand, Romero doesn't have any other business than competing at 185 pounds. Go to 205. Get a refresh. You don't have to cut that much weight. The guy's a monster as is. I see him in person whenever I call the Titan FC shows in, in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I'm probably going to see him in, in two and a half weeks when I get down there. The guy's a beast. Fight at 205. You're not any. He's not getting any younger, Sean. You know, forget about this cutting weight to 185. Keep that extra 20 pounds on you. You'll be the fastest guy in that division, likely. I mean, if you go up and down this roster, who would be faster than him? Like, I, I know if you're fighting a guy like Alexander Gustafson, you may have a problem. God, I'd love to see Yuel Romero and Daniel Cormier fight one day. Two wrestlers of that nature that, that can throw bombs. Why not? I mean, there's no one really in that division that I could look at to say, you know what? They are faster, way faster when it comes to speed and explosiveness than Yuel Romero. He would have a serious shot in this division at 205. Yeah, even even with the age thing, because as we found out, and I believe you did a column on it several months ago, the age for the average ranked UFC light heavyweight skews older. And I think actually middleweight is the the like when you start at flyweight and you go down or you go up those divisions it's almost like a staircase up in age with the one exception being middleweight i think yep. middleweight is from welterweight to middleweight is the only one that, that decreases uh the fight itself man what a fight third round yoel romero goes in the history books with kimbo six months of st- sprawl training <laughs> uh tank abbott he may have beaten me but he went to the hospital and I went to the bar. It goes, it's up there with Stevia Dan Quinn. It's up there with C-Level Kane. It is a historic figure. Motivated BJ Penn in the history of MMA. Meanwhile, and, and here's the funny thing. The comparisons to that Rio Romero makes to himself and Rocky. I, I don't <laughs> think he gets it. He ain't the underdog here. <laughs> He's not the guy that used to fight at 170 pounds. Like, we're talking about a guy who used to fight at 170 pounds and wasn't good there, beating a guy that we're now talking about in his mid-40s, former Olympian, should probably move to 205. But Yoel Romero thinks he's the underdog. 
Robert Whitaker was a total underdog, but by the third round, Romero kind of was an underdog because he got his ass kicked so bad. But still, Whitaker had broken his hand. This was just such an awesome fight, Joe. Yeah, it was ridiculous. And I remember, you guys, I hope you guys understand that when I say that some of these Cubans uh, down in Florida, uh, they operate on a different frequency than what most people would kind of look at and say, okay, here's the standard, here's what you need to follow, here's what you need to do. Trust me, these guys at Titan FC, whenever they're around, they they operate on their own clocks, man. They operate on their own whatever they want to do. You know, we all if 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 you've watched the UFC long enough, as an example, okay, you've watched it long enough, you know, pretty much, you know, Sean rips it apart every so often when he says, you know what, they're not cutting down the time, and I agree with that. But everything is systematic. You know exactly oh, oh, what's going to happen. Say, sorry to cut you off. This week's was way too much. They started at 6.15. They ended at 1.30 a.m. 1.30 a.m. Now I get it. UFC doesn't book for me. They don't book for me. I didn't get to bed till 5.30. I had some other shit going on. I had a huge wrestling story. But, man, that's so long. So long. My apologies. Go ahead. No, no. I, listen, the argument that, you know, the one piece that I wrote for Fightful a while ago talking about the stick and ball sports, the big four sports in North America – uh, and their time frames for, you know, quote unquote, their sport, their event. Okay. If you look at those averages, they're trying to bring it down while the UFC continues to move it up. Like six and a half hours for a, an event is just strictly too much, in my opinion. You don't need more than two hours. And in those two hours, you can get your prelims in, okay, and you can get your main card in. In fact, realistically speaking, you don't need more than, you know, three or four prelims in total, okay? The main card itself, it's still long. You know, that's still five hours. If we're going from 8 p.m. Eastern to 1 a.m., that's a long time. You know, like it doesn't have to be that long. It can only, it should only be two or three hours in my opinion. But that's another story altogether. We can discuss that uh, on another podcast. The bottom line is it just simply takes too long. And when you look at the the whole situation with these guys, in my opinion, it may change with ESPN. I know you and I talked about it two weeks ago. It may change. I don't know. I wish it would, but this is what happens when the UFC, you know, in my opinion, okay, the UFC, let's not forget, the UFC is not a sport. It's a business, okay? They've got the business of mixed martial arts uh, predominantly around the world minus 1FC over in certain parts of Asia. They've got the the global uh, product, okay? The problem is that you would assume that in the UFC, it would only be the best of the best mixed martial artists, but it's not. It's quote unquote the best of the best, and then the amateur or not the amateur. So I, I mean, the best analogy I could I could think of in hockey, for example, it's the NHL, the AHL, and the East Coast Hockey League. You know, if you're looking at baseball or if you're looking at football, you know, you've got the NFL, and then you've got the leagues underneath, whether it's college ball or whatnot. You know, in in, in MLB, it's 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 you know it's it's the pros, big leagues, and then AAA, AA, A. They've got all of those tiers within the UFC right now. If they would just get rid of the lower tiers and stick with being the premier, quote-unquote, Super Bowl of MMA, it would be a completely different sport and a completely different product altogether. Lead those lower-tier fights for Dana White's Contender Series. As an example, bring them down to Titan. Send them elsewhere, LFA, whatever. Just come on. As far as the middleweight title picture goes, it needs it really needs some clarity. I mean, once you get past... Okay, you can't even really get past... Once, other than Kelvin Gastelum in that top 10, it's essentially win-loss, 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 or lose a couple, win a couple. That That's the situation. 
It's Kelvin Gastelum, who was supposed to be on standby for this show. Yeah. Dana White speculates has some personal issues. So we'll see how that goes. You can't rematch Gastelum with Weidman in the meantime, I don't think. I mean, maybe you could, but that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Weidman, I would think, needs to fight soon. It's been a year. That guy's been taking a lot of time out of the cage. Who do you got? Dave Branch is win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. Hasn't beaten anybody at that top level, but there he is at number seven. Derek Brunson loses with regularity. I think you need to take some of the, the Paulo Costas, the shoe faces, the guys like that, and match them up against some of these bigger names and try and the, to The force, guys in the middle of the rankings. Yes. Try to force force a star, essentially. Because, I mean, there are a lot of times when you, you think, oh, I don't want to pick off a contender. You, you either got to pick off a contender or you got to build one real quick because who knows, if Gastelum loses his next fight, which he said, oh, I'm going to wait for a title fight. Buddy, I doubt it. I doubt you're going to wait for Robert Whitaker to heal his hand up. I mean, maybe you do. Maybe you do, but whatever. I would like to see Weidman against Jacare. I think that, that makes a lot of sense to do that. And other than that, it, see, it's the, rough. That, that fight there, right now, it's number three versus number five. Tell me what would happen, in your opinion, to the loser of that fight. How far would they drop in the rankings? Not that far, because right below them is Brunson, Branch, but this is what I'm saying. You Tavares. get a Brunson and a Branch and Tavares, and you start pinning them up against Shoeface, Paulo Costa, or Tiago Santos. Things change quickly. Yeah, right? but I mean, look look at Machida. He's won two in a row. He beat yeah. he beat Eric Anders and didn't really beat Eric Anders. And he beat a retiring Vitor Belfort. He's, he's number nine again. The guy lost three in a row. He didn't win a fight for three years. And there he is. So I don't think I don't think they fall that much, but... Middleweight needs some activity. It needs it needs a star really badly. Uh, one thing I really liked about UFC 225 was the two main events, the two title fights. In the main event, you had a champion who moved up from 170, stopped cutting all that weight. You had a title challenger in the co-main event, moved up from 155 to 170, stopped cutting all that weight. However, on this night, Colby Covington backed up every shit talk that he had <laughs> I thought that Colby Covington looked excellent in this this fight. His cardio held up great. I thought that he was far more willing to strike than I had anticipated. Not only that, while while not necessarily technically sound, he's remarkably accurate and competent, even when throwing these these strikes with Rafael Dos Anjos. Now, if you put him in a five round kickboxing match with Dos Anjos, I'm not picking him to win. But he can hold his own, and that surprised me, and that impressed me, and I think, I think Colby Covington looked great. I'm, I was surprised at the pace that he had in round one, surprised that he continued somewhat in round two, and then he just wouldn't let, let off the gas for the rest of the, for the fight. I mean, he got tagged a few times, but man, he put it on Rafael Dos Anjos. Like, I mean, I thought for sure at some point Rafael's like, hey, you know what, enough with this guy. Let's just tune him, get rid of this guy, get it over with, put, or even if we have to get down to the ground some way, somehow – I'll get in my guard, I'll sweep him, I'll finish him off. Man, he, he just, it, it was almost like from the onset, RDA's will to fight was broken. Like he just didn't have an answer originally for the pace that Colby Covington brought uh, the moment the referee stepped out of the way and then wasn't able to readjust or figure out, okay, I need to take over this fight some way, somehow, and really punish Colby and get him to realize who he's in here with. And instead, Colby did what he had to do, continued to do it, and then his post-fight interview was, you know, Kobe Covington. Like, I mean, 
What did he say about uh, what, did, what was that message you sent to Tyron Woodley? Why would you let this filthy animal take this beating? Like that guy, there's something else than taking the belt to the White House to hang out with Trump. I mean, this guy's just listen. The shtick is one thing, the gimmick's another thing. I, I'm at the point now where I'm watching, I'm enjoying it. The guy's a, the guy's a train wreck. I love it. He said that he wanted to put the title on Trump's desk. Dana White said that he could make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he would love that. I mean, without getting political, you get the the MAGA people on your side, and all of a sudden that follower count jumps from like 30,000 to 300,000 for Colby Covington. I mean, he doesn't outwardly say that outside of that, but he knows what he's doing. He's healing it up, and I thought that... And, how often have we seen Tyron Woodley avoiding fighting welterweights that are in his division over the past year? Delayed his surgery, didn't want this fight, didn't want that fight. All of a sudden, he wants that Colby Covington fight. And I've heard that he wants to hurt Colby Covington. Oh, look at his posts on social media. Yeah, not beat Colby Covington. He wants to hurt Colby Covington to the point to where he doesn't fight again. Just got to get in there, man. It's been a year. I think at this point, the... Interim championship is justified because he put off that surgery for so long and no timetable. I mean, if you remember, he said, oh, I want to come back in April. And I said, that's not happening. And then he said, I want to come back in July. And I said, that's not happening. I don't know when he's going to be back. And he's 36 years old. I think Colby Covington has the right time to fight Tyron Woodley. After a long layoff, as old as he is, and off of shoulder surgery. It's smart. It's smart. And he's and he's there. And now Colby Covington's gonna be the number one ranked guy. We'll see a major shift in those rankings. By the way, I break those down at Fightful Select every every time they're updated, but that was that was the thing. Colby Covington had to be able had to back this up on Saturday night, and he did. Let me ask you this about Tyron Woodley. Let's go back in his last four fights, okay? Yeah. In his fight versus Robbie Lawler, how he won in the first round, two minutes and 12 seconds, okay? Yeah. He was motivated because it was an ATT versus ATT, and he's also pretty, he was pretty feared. Like, he was fearful of Robbie Lawler's power. So he had to get in there and use his speed and finish him off. The next three fights were more or less technical. He wasn't as motivated as he is right now to fight Colby Covington. Did you hear him really trash-talking Stephen Thompson both times? Not really. Did you really hear him talk negatively about Damian Maya? No. And look at him now with Colby Covington. He's on a different level. Now we have ourselves Tyron Woodley, who's extremely motivated to put a hurting on someone. This is probably what exactly what Dana White's been looking for from Tyron Woodley, what the UFC's been looking for, what the fans who call him boring are looking for right now is a, a Tyron Woodley who is now motivated to put a hurting on someone. Now, does that mean he may go back to a five-round quote-unquote bore fest where he's going to be counterfighting counter? Perhaps. But if Colby Covington keeps coming at him that way, he's going to be forced to react. I saw people in the live chat or somebody in the live chat saying Covington walks into a right hand from Woodley, it's over. I don't know how anybody could make it that black and white. We yeah. saw Co- Covington take several really good shots from Rafael Desanos. Oh yeah, Tyron Woodley hasn't knocked anybody out in two years since that Lawler fight. Has had three five-round fights since then. A year off, right shoulder surgery. 
I mean, that's it's not as black and white as he walks into this, he walks into that. It, he's went 15 rounds, or 25 rounds, I think. No, 15 rounds since his last knockout. It's just not that simple, man. It's not that simple. And Colby Covington striking more competent than Damian Maya's. Also, Stephen Thompson didn't have a grappling game. I'm not saying that that uh, that Kobe Covington has some wild kickboxing game or anything, but it, it impressed me with what he was able to deliver and what he was able to do, and even the shots he was able to take to get those entry level shots. That that was impressive, and I, I would be interested to see who who's wrestling the gates who. But Kobe Covington. Just he he did he did a lot right the other night. Also, Holly Holm did a lot right the other night. She was dominant, and I said she needed this win, and I thought she was going to get this win. There was nothing to me that indicated that Meg, Megan Anderson would be able to win this. Also, that long layoff. Good that she's in the UFC. You can get that Cindy Dandois fight rematch, whatever. They've been talking a little shit back and forth, but Holly Holm and Amanda Nunes possibly next if Amanda Nunes doesn't fight Cyborg. But I, it's kind of weird to me. I, in my head, I thought Holm and Nunez had already fought. <laughs> they hadn't. But it's just because Holly Holmes fought everybody. But Holly Holm looked incredible, busting out the wrestling game. Showing showing a new angle at age 36. Good for Holly I, I was, Yeah. I mean, I was sitting there looking at her before the fight even started, the way she made her way to the octagon and then pacing back and forth. I know she does it all the time. It just looked different today. And, and and I joked with a friend of mine, I'm like, that's kind of what I look like when I have to go to the public bathroom and someone's in there and I'm pacing back and forth. Like, can you please just get out of there real quick? But she was on a mission, man. She was on a mission before that fight. Uh, it, it, I mean, it didn't seem like anything was personal with, with Megan Anderson other than the fact that Megan said she's not afraid of anything that, you know, Holly was going to bring to the cage. Um, and by the way, Megan versus Cindy Dandua, I think Megan takes that rematch. Although she lost the first time. I think she takes yeah. that match versus Cindy. Um, I, I got all the time in the world for Anderson. I really do. I think in that opening exchange, she informed and, and made it very clear to Holly Holm, you need to be careful if we're in this situation again because you're eating another knee uh, and I got some power behind me here. right? Uh, but Holly Holm adjusted, which is what you're supposed to do in a situation like that, was able to recuperate and then just put an absolute hurting on Megan Anderson and just showed all kinds of skills and you know, just just she's such a good soul and just did a fantastic job. And I love that post fight interview. Uh, but yeah, Holly Holm now is in a situation where you know, what do you do? Do you go to one thirty five uh, for that title shot? Do you go? Do you stay and get that cyborg rematch? You know, she's in a situation where she's got options now, despite being you know at an age where. Sorry, it's it's great that she has options now because she's getting to an age now where you know eventually you're gonna have to call it a career. Yeah. But her trajectory right now has potentially two title fights in her future at two different divisions, which is kind of cool. And you can sort of speed up your retirement and your legacy by winning both titles back-to-back and then calling it a career and potentially go down as one of the greatest of all time. Holly Holmes' gain is also Amanda Nunez's gain because Amanda Nunez also has those two options. She can fight home or cyborg, so that's good for her. You know, I didn't really notice until looking at the card that all the main card were decisions because they were pretty good fights. Yep. Tied to Ivasa, I think a little bit of a blueprint on him was created, although his cardio held up. I would like to see him refine his uppercut because there's no reason that as many of those landed, they shouldn't have knocked out an Andre Arlovsky who 
you know, as weird as it is to say, I don't think Arlovsky is hurt by this a bit. He stood in there with a guy who's been knocking everybody out for three rounds, and Arlovsky has proven over his last four fights especially that he doesn't have a glass chin. Sometimes he just runs into people who hit really hard, you know, like Overeem, like Miocic, like Nganu, like, uh, uh, who was it, Brett Rogers, like Fedor, like Karatanov. If you get hit by those guys, most humans are going to get knocked out. So for Andrei Arlovsky, I don't think it really hurts him. He is in pretty much the same exact place he was before. Not near a title shot, but not out of the, the loop. You know, he's got at least two or three more UFC fights in him if he wants it. And that's if he loses all of them. If he wins one, that's an extra three... That's that's almost an automatic three-fight extension for him. But Tai Tuivasa picking up the win, it's good for the division. Uh, but he's he's got some things to work on. Yeah. And we, it's something that was eventually expected. They put him in there with a veteran, right? And you just got to give the kid time. And, and if we would have seen him blown... You know, just destroyed Orlovsky the way you know we thought maybe you know like Nganu did, right? Different story altogether, right? Now, Tuivasa's still on the upswing. Orlovsky's more plateaued, taking a bit of a dip because of the loss. But you know, overall, Tuivasa, if he puts his head together uh, and gets his training in, uh, I still think he can come in a much better shape than what he does right now because he's still cutting to get to one to two sixty five, right? He's a big human being, but I, I just think that if he did a couple things differently, his physique would change. And could be a lot better than what we're seeing right now. But he is one of the, the, the future prospects in this division. No doubt about it. Shout-outs to our friends at Pro Wrestling Unlimited. They do a lot of great work with us as well. People are still on this. It's black and white. Maya is dangerous on the ground. Colby a non-factor submission offense-wise. Wonder Boys an all-time level striker. Colby will run into a shot, mark it down. I, think, I just think that's a stupid assessment. Guys coming off a of shoulder surgery. Kobe Covington is a fantastic wrestler and a competent striker. There is nothing. There's some great power out of Tyron Woodley, but like he's not like some K1 level kickboxer or anything. Like he just just not that. Just not that. Like I don't know who would win the, the wrestling exchange. There is is Tyron Woodley some sort of submission threat that I don't know about? No. Not since like maybe his strike force days when he was facing absolute scrub a dub dubs. But I mean <laughs> He was coming up the ranks back then. Come on. Yeah, I mean Colby Cupton used to tap out people all the time whenever he was in the, the lower levels. I mean in the UFC he's got like two or three um submission wins in the UFC and I I don't see Woodley with any of those, so I mean it's not black and white. It is a it's a very close fight, especially considering the surgery. Uh, also, a clear, very close title fight was that of Kevin Lee against Tony Ferguson. He is looking to earn his way back up through the rankings. Take a listen.
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. My apologies for whatever reason. The clip <laughs> isn't working. We'll try the second one. How many more fights do you have in your deal? Uh, I think I have three. Okay. Three more fights on the deal. But honestly, I think I think for this one, we'll probably have to renegotiate. I don't I know. I would we'll, say so. We'll that's get, a big one. Like yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I said, we're we going to see. It's going to be some renegotiation to be had anyway. Um, you know, I, I put in my work and, uh, and, and you know, it, it, it's time to see some back end on that. Neither of us are doctors, clearly, but uh, Tony Ferguson obviously had his injury, and he's sort of the other uh, factor out there. Uh, just, just your initial thoughts on when you think he could come back, and if he does come back, do you think he's going to be the same? Yeah, I, I said it before. Tony, Tony Ferguson will never be the same again. You know, I, I, think, uh, I think I definitely fought the best version of him. If he does come back, I think it's going to take at least a year. Uh, I'm going to be right up there with it. You know, we'll, we'll see. I, I take the belt from Khabib. You got Tony sitting on the outskirts. You, you never know what Connor's doing. Uh, it's a lot of big fights to be had. All, all, all three of those, no matter how you pair up each four of us, those are all big fights. Um, as far as Tony, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I, I don't think he'll be the same. I mean, he's 34. Uh, he trains like a madman anyway, and I don't think he'll ever be able to rely on that that knee again. And, and, it's, and it's kind of a shame, too, uh, because I don't think that we really got to see the best out of his career. But, you know, I, I just call him like I see him. And as far as uh, traveling, you mentioned you're going to be doing a bit of that. Uh, and I know you're with CAA, obviously, so there's a lot of good opportunities there. Is there anything you can reveal as far as where you're going and maybe some of the projects you might be working on? Not yet. Not yet. But, uh, but we, got some, we got some things in motion, you know. I, I, I know uh, there, there's a big demand to, to – I think the longer running shows, you know, doing something like, like that pertains to kind of like Joe's show a little bit. You know, obviously, I don't have the, the expertise or the level of experience of, of, of Joe Rogan, but – uh, let's say I like to take what, what works, modify it a little bit, and then spit it back out and, and evolve it. So uh, that, that's kind of what I'm looking to do right now. We we come, we run it by a couple of different show ideas. So, um, you know, they'll just have to stay tuned. You can see that full interview at FightfulMMA.com. Go over there, click that exclusives tab. James Lynch has tons of exclusive interviews over there. Make sure you all check it out. Also on this show... CM Punk lost to Mike Jackson. Joe, we haven't had your thoughts on this. I tore this fight a new one. I want your thoughts on the fight itself. Can I hear your thoughts first? In a summary? Or, sorry, can the viewers hear your thoughts if they missed it uh, after the event? In the modern era of UFC, I'm talking post-tough, it was among – it was two of the worst – performances i've seen in my in the ufc period i called a half a dozen amateur fights on a show the week before that were better everything i I, i'm also not buying into the fact that mike jackson's talent level was so much that cm punk couldn't overcome it he's been training at rufus sport for three and a half years 
there's no excuse for him to have done so many of the things that he did poorly, so poorly. That guillotine attempt was one of the saddest things I've ever seen in my life. He was closer to getting a double wrist lock from a standing guard position than he was a guillotine. Also, I don't buy that Mike Jackson was playing with CM Punk. I think that Mike Jackson wasn't talented enough to finish off CM Punk because he was concerned that he would get caught by some errant punch, some errant elbow, some errant something, and be embarrassed on a grand stage and tried to play it off as he was uh, clowning CM Punk and all that. Things like closing your guard on your back but not using elbows, all that stuff. It was so elementary and so poor and so bad that I wonder how often and how much he was really at that gym. I wonder. It makes me question that. And as a pro wrestler, man, do I enjoy CM Punk. As an interview, man, do I enjoy CM Punk. Very glad that he took the time to speak to us last week. I mean, that, that makes twice. I mean, before last week, no pro wrestling websites had spoken to CM Punk since he left. We were the only ones. And he spoke to us again last week after his trial. And I know he had that, but that doesn't make up for the just utter lack of skill and technique that I saw in that cage from both guys. It was really bad. He got tired three minutes in. And before some idiot comes in and says, Well, why don't you get in there and do it? Why don't you get... Well, let me tell you why I don't get in there and do it. One, because I was never an amateur fighter. Two, because I'm not a goddamn pro fighter. And three, because I'm not a celebrity that can make it happen. He was a celebrity that can make it happen, and I don't have a damn problem with that. I was excited to watch the fight. It doesn't mean I couldn't be disgusted with how the fight played out. And I was. Do I think it was so bad that it was offensive to MMA? And uh, No, I don't give a shit about that. I don't care about that. I watched two 300-pound women fight at a venue called Dale's Hot Dog Stand. <laughs> and the commission let it happen. So I don't really care about that. This was... CM Punk parlaying his celebrity into a fight, and I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem if he fought in the UFC again. Don't care. Don't care. But you better damn well believe I'm going to talk about how bad it was. So I would echo uh, probably 100% of your sentiments, only because, for well, for a variety of reasons, and based on my assessment of watching CM Punk, and it's also part of my job over the past, you know, I guess it's almost 20 years now, Jesus 20 years of being involved in mixed martial arts. Part of it was, you know, as I was growing up doing my broadcasting career, I was a promoter, I was a manager, I was a matchmaker, uh, I was there to assess talent. Uh, I do it right now when I watch Titan FC fights and I have to know what I'm looking for. So Kamara Usman and I, or, or Jose Shorty Torres and I, know what's coming or potentially can happen in a fight. It's my job to be an analyst. It's my job uh, at the grassroots level to say, hey, you know what? He or she should be fighting for Titan FC, they're ready. He or she should be fighting in Ryzen because they are ready. He or she should go to the UFC. That's my job. Part of my job, excuse me. And in what, looking at CM Punk and watching that performance, I question how much training he actually put in. Because I don't know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I was jogging through my head Guys that I used to train with and girls that I used to train with who had no athletic ability whatsoever. And I watched them over a period, let's just for argument's sake, use that three and a half years who came in and trained at least three or four times a week 
part-time because they had jobs or whatever. It's just, uh, 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 I guess, a hobby or something they would love to do. And I can assure you, Sean Rossap and everybody tuned in right now or listening in later on, that within three and a half years, I could see a technical difference in who they were when they first started to where they were three and a half years later. Now, imagine being an actual athlete and having the understanding that certain things need to change with your footwork, with your stance, with your execution of throwing a jab, a cross, a hook, an uppercut, putting those combinations together, defending takedowns, understanding the submission game, the old school position uh, versus position before submission, uh, and understanding certain things. I didn't see that with CM Punk. No one can tell me that he trained. And I, I, listen, I'm, I'm sure if, if Duke Rufus hears this, I might be getting a text saying, dude, why would you say that? You're wrong, blah, blah. I'm just going with what I saw versus Mike Jackson on, 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 uh, on Saturday night. That was not a fighter, in my opinion, that trained mixed martial arts for three and a half years. It was a fighter that put some training in. That was a fighter that you know has a, a pair of brass ones to get in there and do it in the octagon in front of millions in the world and put his reputation on the line. I just did not see a fighter who trained in MMA for three and a half years. That's I, 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 I don't I, – I, the mathematics do not work for me having been involved, involved in this sport for as long as I have and seeing. And then it doesn't matter at what age. I know masters or quote-unquote – not masters. Guys that compete in masters divisions in grappling that started not too long ago that look absolutely fantastic because they put their time in and they're afraid to lose at a local grassroots grappling event. Let's see that with CM Punk. I know boxers. I know kickboxers. I know Muay Thai fighters, guys that are younger than me, girls that are younger than me, people that are my age that have been doing it for two or three years that looked much, much better than that. Much technically sound, Sean. Like technically sound to know what to do in certain situations. I did not see that with CM Punk. And in the warm-up, watching him as he's getting ready to go to the octagon, I thought to myself, what am I looking at here? And then in the, in the preview stuff that we saw from the UFC that they were showing in the countdown shows and stuff like that, I literally said to myself, they're showing the worst part of his training so that people are like – or so that his opponent's probably like, I'm going to kill this guy. I'm going to kill this guy. We're going to be blown away by what we see on Saturday night. Let me tell you, it was the complete opposite. Yeah, it was not that. One thing we did see was him punching from his back probably more in one fight than I've seen in the UFC in probably the last three to four years combined. I'm talking hundreds, hundreds of fights. There's only one possible opponent for him if they want him in the UFC again, Joe. You know who it is? Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather. That's it. Yeah. And remember when I when we had this discussion, we said, who wins that? Because at the time, CM Punk had trained for three years at Rufus Sport. Floyd Mayweather wins that. That's who 100%. wins that. There's yep. nothing... You know, There, I always say about a Floyd Mayweather, he loses to 95 to 99% of MMA fighters in an MMA fight because there's nothing that indicates to me that he can stop a takedown. Even though... CM Punk landed a takedown. There's nothing to indicate to me that he can that he'll he can do anything besides that. And that that was another thing. The 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 questions of Mike Jackson playing around with Punk and Mike Jackson's skill level after 
10 years of training being so high that Punk couldn't overcome it. Yeah, somebody who had trained three and a half years, even in their late 30s, could have overcome it. But he just wasn't good. Also, Mike Jackson got taken down by CM Punk. And we saw what CM Punk has. So that's another reason why I look at things and I say, no, Mike Jackson was not playing around with CM Punk. Mike Jackson was also actually not good. That's where we are. As far as CM Punk's wrestling future, I hope that he comes back to pro wrestling and does an appearance, but I think maybe he's so disgusted by the business that he doesn't. So, you know, that's a thing. Also a thing was Curtis Blades, who we will have an interview with on Fightful.com this week. That was ridiculous. He deserves a title shot. Give that man a shittle tot. That guy there... Is something else, man. Oh my God. Who was refing it? Dan Margliata? I think so, yeah. I think Dan was just so, like, he stopped it correctly, but I think he was so stunned to see that fight uh, the way it ended, because it ended ugh, terribly for Alistair Overeem, because those elbows were disgusting by Curtis Blades, how they just, it wasn't the fact, I guess it was also the fact that as they came down, Sean, they were hard. They landed extremely hard, but then you just saw Alexander or, uh, Overeem's face just go all Halloweenish very quickly, right? And poor Dan was like, "Oh my god, let's stop this right now! Oh boy, this is done!" And you just like Curtis Blades is, "Oh my god!" Like that was just yeah. And he did it in the third round, ladies and gentlemen. He didn't do it in the first round. He didn't do it in the second round. He did it at three about three minutes into the third round. It's a heavyweight with cardio. That's a heavyweight that'll finish you in the third round. I sign, like it. Sign me up for him against Cormier or Miocic because I, I don't think his striking's on the level. Obviously, he has some power. He backed up over him multiple times. However, I'm more interested to see who's wrestling negates who against any of these three guys. You you got a much older Daniel Cormier. You have well, I'm not gonna say he's old because it's heavyweight division. You gotta Miocic, who's in his mid-30s, and you've got a 27-year-old Curtis Blades who has won six fights in a row, went two rounds taking shots from Francis Ngannou until the doctor said, cut this shit out, you're going home. He didn't even stop it. What this means for his brain long-term, I don't know. But one of the charming things about him, you'll, you'll hear it in interviews, he's a very soft-spoken, quiet guy, has a little bit of a stutter. It's really endearing. He's awesome. He doesn't bullshit. He's a very nice guy. And he just goes out there and drills people and wrestles people. And his wrestling is active and exciting, and I like it. Curtis Blades is that next guy in the heavyweight division. I had somebody saying, Volkov, piss off with that. <laughs> I think I think beating Mark Hunt and beating Overeem back-to-back is even better than beating uh, beating Fabricio Verdum. I truly do. Two things at least, off the line. At least one. And the six-fight winning streak helps over yeah. a four-fight winning streak. So the, the kid's fantastic. Let's not kid ourselves. I just, I mean, I got all the time in the world for Curtis Blades. Uh, two things off the live chat. I know you guys are going crazy on there. Uh, just to go back for a second, D&D said Floyd versus CM Punk or Tai Tuivasa Spitshui. What is worse? Uh, that Spitshui thing disgusts me. Yeah, I would gross. much rather watch Floyd versus uh, CM Punk. Uh, and the second thing that I want to bring up is I think it's a fair question. Um, Blades versus Nganu. Who wins it? 
Now, I think Blades now. does. Yeah. I, I mean, Blades based on the, based on what we saw with Ngannou's performance versus Miocic, and considering what Blades has done since his fight with Ngannou, I may have to go with Curtis Blades, who just seems to have grown more as a mixed martial artist than Ngannou has, because Ngannou, in my opinion, just has relied on that vicious, incredible knockout power and striking, but his wrestling and takedown defense is basically, I shouldn't say null and void, because it was Stipe Miocic that did that knee tap and did do what he had to do. I mean, Miocic is a special fighter, let's be honest. He's a heavyweight champ of the world. But when we look at Curtis Blades versus who he's competed against and what he's done uh, and the different ways that he's won and recovered from bad situations, I, I'm going to give the edge to Curtis Blades. I'm not going to lie to you. That's a rematch I want to see. I like that. I think that Blades should get a title shot first because, well, I don't know. I mean, it depends on how everything pans out because that is a month away. But, yeah, I, I don't think you should knock off Blades. I think the true contenders are hard to come by in the heavyweight division, but I want to see that fight eventually. Gedalia defeated Esparza. You said you were going to disagree with me. Yep, here. Carlos Esparza won that fight. I, I can see it. I can definitely see it. Carlos Esparza surprised me, and I think she surprised herself. I don't think that she thought she had that right overhand or that overhand right in her. And in between rounds, her corner said, we're going to keep doing that. So it was Gedalia trying to grapple Esparza and Esparza trying to strike with Gedalia, which I thought was just a, a fascinating aspect of this fight. Gedalia picks up the win. The emergence of Rose Namajunas as champion has done for that women's division what anybody beating Mighty Mouse would do for the flyweight division. But Esparza now pushed a little bit further back, although I don't think too much back. And Gedalia is in the hunt, in my estimation. It's been two years since she's had a title shot. And I think with another win, she could get herself right there. It's I, I was not expecting that performance from Carlos Esparza. Anyone that tuned into last week's Holy Smokes podcast knew that I was expecting Claudia Gadelia to come out and be far more vicious considering what happened to her in the last fight or so. Uh, I just thought Carlos Baza at the time coming into this fight was was just not at the twilight or you know just facing the horizon, Sean, but I was like, nah, she's just – she's going to reach her peak here and that's it. No. Carlos Barza put on a fantastic performance. She's now accusing Claudia of greasing. Um, you know, it's, I wouldn't be surprised to be honest with you. It's just there's a lot of things that people do in mixed martial arts that you know you'd be, especially in the lower end shows or, or the the underneath oh, the UFC. Yeah. But um, I'm giving all the respect in the world to Carlos Barza right now. That was a fantastic performance, and I gave her the fight. I scored the fight for her. Uh, I was in utter shock to be honest with you. I didn't think it was a blowout that she deserved a unanimous decision. It was a close fight, and based on the unified rules of MMA, I can understand how people may go one way or the other. I just think she won that fight, and she's still a contender, man. She's back. Yeah, I agree. I do agree. Mirsad Bektik, it's hard to call him a, a prospect before this fight. You can't afterwards, but the guy had been around since 2014, so it's weird yeah. for me to say – Prospect, prospect. He'd been around forever. He's still a young guy, but he got this win over Lamas as the betting odds predicted, as I predicted, but I didn't think Lamas looked bad or anything, but it's clear to me that his time near the top of this division is up, and I honestly, I think his time near the top of the division 
was up, what, in 2013, I think. But he's hung on. So I, I think he will continue to hold on. I just, I just Mirsad Bektik has emerged. It was a fine performance. Nothing overwhelming, yeah. nothing fantastic. He fought a high-caliber guy in Lamas, man. Yep. You can't, you know, got to give him credit. Dan Ige dominated Mike Santiago. That was <laughs> awesome. Chris De La Rocha and Rashad Coulter had an awesome first round. Those were a couple good performances there. Charles Oliveira tapped out Clay Guida with the quickness. And I don't think that's the I don't think it's like a sign of Clay Guida's coming to an end or reaching a wall or anything. It was just dumb. He went in oh, and didn't yeah. protect, protect his neck. Told also, you last week, Oliveira early, Clay late. Because Oliveira will fade. Also, it might not, might not help when Jason Guida gives his brother that's half his size <laughs> CTE before every fight. That's Your dumb. tweet was awesome. Your tweet was epic on what that one. What a dumbass that guy has traditionally been. Uh, Sergio Pettis, though, looked real, real good against Joseph Benavidez. His footwork, his head movement, his counters, his takedown defense. Sergio Pettis is here, and the thing is, Quite frankly, it's stupid. It's stupid altogether. UFC in August should be Mighty Mouse versus TJ Dillashaw. Because there were no contenders. Now you have Marlon Marias and you have Sergio Pettis. You have real contenders. So that fight might not even happen. Also, if Garbrandt finds a way to win, my God, they'll run that <laughs> shit back again. <laughs> They'll just do that. And Garbrandt will pussyfoot around to, oh, I can make 125. Can you? All right, then. We'll see. We'll talk about it. But, man, Sergio Pettis looked really, really good. This was the win. And I've often said, I, I think this solidifies Horiguchi as the number two flyweight ever in my estimation. But, I mean, in that same breath, Sergio Pettis got a, a good win over one of the all-time great flyweights in Joseph Benavides. Yeah, I think this was the, the the fight that really showcased that you know Sergio Pettis is officially, and this is crazy, a mature mixed martial artist. He's twenty four. I would say it says that he's better than Anthony ever was too. There's no. my take. I think he's no. better than Anthony ever was. Oh, Anthony! Anthony in his prime. Killing the when, it, when the WC was coming to an end, and what he did when he when he defeated Ben Henderson was some epic stuff. I was there for that fight when he got, when he won the title. Um, I think I think Pettis has to become what, a champion. Was that the fight right before Clay Guida decisioned him with Pettis? Oh, that was the 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 boring wrestling take him well, down. Was and that hold the him? fight? A couple fights after Bart Palaszewski beat him. Yeah, that's fine. But he became a world champion, Sean. He became a world champion with some epic victories, highlight real stuff. I'm not yeah. saying Pettis is – I'm not saying Sergio is that far away from his brother. I'm not saying that. I'm saying at some point you got to have a belt around your waist to really say who's better than who. Yeah, but in that same breath, if Anthony Pettis were a 125-er, he wasn't beating Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson in a million years. I don't think there was anything. I think – all of those, if you asked Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson to run off a cage and kick somebody in the course of a five round fight, it's happening. He just has to want to do it. He threw a man up in the air, caught him in an arm bar. It's, it's been a, a, he's the Genghis Khan of that division. Lightweight didn't have that. Ben Henderson was, I mean, I'm not 
shitting on Ben Henderson. Ben Henderson's still a great fighter. But the title fights that he was in, some somewhat controversial. The victors in some of those. Well, the Frank Edgar fights, yeah. Yeah, and I think that, that Anthony Pettis, I don't say I don't want to say had an easier division or anything like that, but I, I would say that Joseph Benavidez may have been a bigger win for Sergio Pettis than Ben Henderson was for Anthony Pettis. Now, that, that can be debated because Joseph Benavidez never reached that mountaintop either. I'm just saying, man, the only two people to ever beat, ever beat Sergio or ever beat Benavidez are Dominic Cruz and Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. And now Sergio Pettis is in that company. He joins that. And I don't know. I mean, it's, a, it's certainly up for debate. I definitely think that's up for debate. I'm not, I'm not completely opposed to the idea, but definitely, man. Considering yeah, that, that Sergio yeah. Sergio's 24 and he's got room to work, he's got yeah. room to work. Yep. Yeah. He's 24, like I said, and we've seen this was the for me the coming not the coming out party. It was the solidification of this guy's the real deal. This guy, he, he's great. He's fantastic. Uh, I still think he's got to beat Henry Cejudo some way, somehow. But would I like to see him in a title fight versus Money Mouse? Oh, hell yeah. I'd like to see it. I don't think he wins. I mean, no one's beating Money Mouse anytime soon. Except, well, I should never say that, but you never know. But yeah, the, the, that, that performance was something else, man. He was, he, he was absolutely fantastic. Somebody who doesn't have a lot of time is Rashad Evans. He needs to hit up omg.com and use that Fightful MMA code. Just enjoy retirement, my friend. He got beat with the quickness. Man, Anthony Smith is a huge light heavyweight. How did he make middleweight? Who boy. It's time. Rashad's got to go. And Anthony Smith calling out Sam Alvey. Smart in so many ways. Ranked opponent. A guy that people are starting to know. Former middleweight. Very, very smart. Yeah, he's got... Listen, at some point there, these guys with their MMA math and calling out, they're getting it. They're understanding it, and Anthony Smith got it. That's a perfect call-out uh, and a great opportunity to say, you know what, Sam Alvey's doing this, Sam Alvey's calling out this guy after every fight. No, no, you're fighting me. You should fight me. And I'm sure Sam Alvey would have no problem to exactly. say, okay, let's do it. Dana White's teasing John Jones versus Brock Lesnar. Tell the fight to make if you can make it. They can pass their drug tests and everything. That is a UFC pay-per-view headliner that will do well over a million buys. 100%. Hundred percent. Yeah. Do you, buy, I mean, do you buy that they can make it happen? Yeah. If they put on Floyd Mayweather versus Conor McGregor, yep. Anything can happen. I'm with you. Anything I'm... can happen. At this point, I, 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 you know, I don't doubt Dana White. I may not agree with a lot of his decisions and his, his some of the stuff that he does, but he can get a deal done. The man, John Jones's manager, is hoping for a USADA ruling soon. By the way, uh, Greg Hardy. Debuts on the Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series tonight. Will you be watching? No. Coaching soccer. tomorrow, will, Today, tomorrow, and Thursday, but I'll be paying attention afterwards. I will be watching delayed, but I'm going to watch my dude Chris Curtis fight. He deserves a UFC contract, as is. Ronda Rousey in the UFC Hall of Fame. She referenced it in her promo on Monday. By the way, quite a promo by Nia Jax, I thought. In order to make her seem like she had more of a chance against Rousey, they said... Headbutts are legal in pro wrestling. Strikes to the spine are legal in pro wrestling. Knees <laughs> to the head of a downed opponent. I like that. That was good. Ronda Rousey as a headliner of the UFC Hall of Fame. I think it was the right move, especially to get some buzz for International Fight Week. What do you think? 
Oh, it's just, it's a no brainer. I mean, anyone that disagrees with Ronda Rousey being in the Hall of Fame, I, I would have no rebuttal. Although I would have a laundry list of bullet points that I could argue back, I, I just can't. I can't. She's, she's, a, she's a trailblazer, always was, did exactly what, you know, I don't even think she envisioned she would ever be able to do what she did. Uh, but what she did for, for women's mixed martial arts and just women in general. It was amazing. So, yeah, she goes in the Hall of Fame. No ifs, ands, or buts. Um, wish I could be there, but very well-deserving. She gave me some of the best interviews, some of the most hilarious off-camera conversations and wit that I've, that I've experienced in the game, and she, she's a trailblazer. That's just the bottom line. She deserves to be in there. Your boy, Kamara Usman, got into an altercation that involved Ali Abdelaziz. Your thoughts? Surprised. Uh, been around Kamaru uh, quite some time, you know, in, in regular um, environments that are not mixed martial arts related. Just never saw him get to that point where he was ever upset or pulled on, uh, you know, you know, the alpha male syndrome where you basically, you know what, now you're crossing the line. I'm going to defend myself. Never seen him get into that type of situation. So the news kind of hit me by surprise. I don't, I don't know what to say or what to do or, or anything like that. But you know, as for Ali. That dude, he'll, he'll fight anybody. He doesn't care. He's just the way he is. And, you know, that from that side, it doesn't surprise me whatsoever. Um, he, he's an old school. Ali's an old school. Um, I don't know if you remember. Of course you remember. Um, oh, the name slips my mind. But it's just an old school guy that's not going to back down from anyone. He may not use the correct judgment in certain situations because he has a switch that will flip on at any time if you question his manhood and he'll be more than happy. He won't talk his way out of it. He'll fight his way out of it. So not the greatest idea to do all the time, but when he's, when you're around him, I guess you, you better be ready to, to, to throw down. And that's what happened perhaps with Kamaru, but I, I, I'm not there to, to decide who's guilty, who's not guilty. I don't know if there's any charges that are going to be pressed, uh, but what went down, but it, from, from Kamaru's perspective, I'm, I'm surprised. That happened at the PFL show. Their transformation from world series of fighting into PFL is complete. Last, th- last week's show saw Andre Harrison, Lance Palmer, Alex Nicholson, Jack May, Jared Rochelle, Steven Seiler, Frantimar Barroso. A lot of names that you've probably seen on UFC shows, Bellator shows win. Uh, Jake Hewn got beat. Marcos Galvo got beat. Josh Copeland got beat. Uh, did you see anything about this show? Do you care? I only cared about Andre Harrison. With all due respect, nothing. I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the organization, the promotion, the fighters, the system. Um, I just have a soft spot for Andre Harrison because he was the champion in um, at Titan, ended up leaving, going to World Series of Fighting. Now he's in PFL. Like to see him in the UFC. That's the only reason I was paying attention. I'm at the point now where there's there's some of these mixed martial arts events, and it's something that we've had in the live chat. We've discussed before. You know, it, there needs to be some meaning to the fights, some relevance. What does this mean? What does this fight truly mean? And I get in the PFL, they've got the system points and stuff like that. I get it. Um, what does it all mean? That's all that matters. How rel- you know, what, 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 Where's the basis of putting this fight together? That's all it is. You're buying or selling it. Tyron Woodley says he wants to return on August 4th. That is less than two months away in L.A. He says, quote, I'm projected to be back August 4th. That's when I want to fight. I want to fight in L.A. I'm ready. 
I've been starting to go 100% on a lot of things. Obviously, I'm still doing rehab, still getting the strength back. But it's not restricting me from a lot, end quote, on MMA Junkie Radio. Ah, not buying it. I think it's UFC 228. Yeah. I'd love it, to see it back, but I'm not, I'm not buying it. Don't know where 228 is going to be. I know 229 is going to be in Vegas. Nothing announced really for either except for Yair and Zabit, but I think he comes back then if he's ready to come back because you can't ask Colby Covington to turn around essentially seven weeks later and fight Tyron Woodley. I mean, you can, but he doesn't have to say it. He's got presidents to meet and all that stuff. Joe, what do you have going on this week? No big MMA this weekend. Yeah, lots of uh, family stuff, but of course... uh... Despite our, our performance at the tournament on Saturday at the soccer festival, the boys got some uh, drills to work on this evening and tomorrow and on Thursday. So soccer, uh, my coaching three four three nights a week, sometimes four, uh, and it should be fun this weekend because the weather, Sean Rossap in Toronto or north of Toronto is finally summer weather. Uh, it is either um, I've, I've got to get out and we don't have much time here. We don't have much time because we either have, either have to hit a lake because you've only got two months to do it, or we take advantage of the pool that I put up in the backyard and open it up to anybody and everybody, uh, family, friends-wise in the neighborhood. Come on over, and let's just enjoy the tiny amount of summer that we get up here. Guys, next week we will break down UFC Singapore, the preview. It's Donald Cerrone versus Leon Edwards. You also have Vivian Pereira on that show, a a girl who I've been telling you all to look out for. Jessica Rose Clark against Jessica I. Uh, That is a sneaky... (laughs) <laughs> ranked fight. Tyson Pedro and Ovin St. Pru, another top 15 fight there. You all can follow me at Sean Rossap. Follow us on Twitter at Fightful. Visit our sponsors over at omg.com. Use that code FightfulMMA. But even if you don't, check them out at omgbutter on Twitter and let them know you heard about their product from us. That goes a long way. We also have Fightful Select. If you all want to contribute to Fightful without doing so monetarily, just comment on a story. Join in on our forums. That type of engagement really, really helps. I'm looking to make those forums more active. Uh, Carlos has a Joshua versus Wilder forum topic up there right now. I have Money in the Bank predictions. I am doing an NBA draft thread, an NBA free agency thread. I am excited for it. (laughs) Guys, thank you all so much. Thumbs up, subscribe. Hit that bell. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.